You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Good morning, everyone. If you'd like to take your seats, we're going to begin. So we were on holiday up in the north coast sampling the tasty food of Bob and Bert's. I know you can get them anywhere else, but it works for us. Spending a bit of time together. I hope that you had opportunity to pause your normal life, at least for a couple of days, and uh, take a bit of opportunity away. Do you know, it feels like it's been a couple of weeks since we've met. Is that just me? Maybe it's just me because I was away somewhere. One of the things that it's good to do and healthy to do is that when you've uh, been busy is to take a break. Anybody good with breaks? But one of the things I love about Christmas time is that when you start to, you just eat everything around you and the stuff you normally say no to, you're like, ar, ar, ar. and by the time a week's over, you're like, just give me something wholesome. And uh, sad but true, I was quite eager to get back and get started here today. So that's always a good sign. So what I want to say is that whenever you get to the place where you're, you've been away and you take a break, often what it affords you is a wee bit of perspective, doesn't it? Even if it's just the fact that when you stop, you just realize how actually completely exhausted you were. It's just good to stop. And when we trust God, we experience his provision as it comes to us, not as we expect it to be. So in the middle of breaks, and we realize maybe what's been going on inside of us, or we come back to life, and we're like, we've got a bit of renewed vision, and we can actually look at the life that we've been given and embrace it as it actually is. But one of the wonderful things that happened while I was away was I got a little message on Wednesday morning, which said a certain Asher Sydney John Oliver was born at 5.38 in the morning, and mommy, mommy and baby are doing very well. Yay! Um, so mommy and baby are doing very well. However, daddy's learning to cope with IPSD, intense prolonged sleep deprivation. If you're anything like me, I'm sure I have stories that I could trump you with. Falling asleep in the middle of meetings where Andrew was speaking, my wife nudges me and I wake up and go, what? And Andrew then has to say from the front, it's all right. Uh, they just had another child. And I, it's like narcolepsy. And even now, I could just probably stand and fall asleep. So to anybody who's listening who's just have a baby, we feel your pain. So it's good to take a break. It's good to stop. And it's also good to return. And I wanted to comment a little bit. We do a lot of message series. We do very few standalone messages. And there's lots of reasons why we do that. And I thought, well, that might be quite a good thing to share. So what I love about the message series is that there's opportunity to be able to dig into what it is that we want to talk about. So we, we talked about the light of love, we talked about mind matters, and uh, someone last week said to me, I'm back listening to it again, which is brilliant. If you find a particular topic um, and you find real benefit in it, then revisit it, it's on the podcast. But with a message series, what you get to do is really dig into it. And I don't know whether the recaps annoy you or not, but the reason why we recap is that we're not talking about standalone messages that make up a series. We're talking about a whole thing altogether. So each time that we speak, there's always a bridge from the week before to the week that you're currently in. And the other teaching technique in it is, it is repetition. Repetition. Say it again and again and again to the point, hopefully, that you're like, would you stop saying it? So that what is external becomes internal. 
When it's internal, then you don't need, you don't need somebody to say it to you anymore. It's just present within you. So if you're starting to ask the questions like, where did that thought come from? Or why am I feeling crushed inside? Or am I eating grass? Oh, no. Oh, I'm about to go to the valley. If you're starting to consider those things without any prompting, then it's starting to work. Why do we use repetition? Well, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Our God is faithful. And he's faithful. And he's faithful. And he's faithful. Whether you're in another part of the world where there's a rainy season and dry season, he's faithful. And he's faithful. And he's faithful. So if you're starting to get irritated with the repetition, just let it become a part of you. Because whenever we're parenting our children, I couldn't tell you how many times I say, Did you flush the toilet? No. But those moments when you hear the unbidden, you're like, I finally got it. They're flushing it by themselves. So if the repetition serves you to go, I don't need to think that way. I don't need to default to that soulish behavior of withdrawal or acting out or saying that thing or looking at that thing or taking that thing in, whatever it is, then we're, we're doing our job. The humility of God doesn't demand that we acknowledge him. He gives us opportunity and invites us to respond. So God is not uh, walking up to everybody and saying, you must acknowledge that I'm right here and right now. He may come to you and he said, do you believe me? He'll always invite you into that. And have you noticed that he doesn't destroy those who refuse him? And unfortunately, ultimately, they're destroyed by their own refusal. But he gives them what they need up to a point because unbelief protects them from the grace of God. He loves us. He grants us a choice. Love grants you the choice and fear removes it. Why am I saying all these things? I want to help you understand why we do what we do. And there's a biblical, scriptural basis for everything that we do here. When we looked into build and protect, we got to know Nehemiah a little bit. Did you feel like you got to know him a little? Did you get a bit of a flavor of who the guy was? He wasn't perfect. He learned to not respond to some things. He learned to respond to others. He did the difficult things. When I was given that message about how he went through that awful gate to be able to analyze and get a bit of a strategy for the way on, you get a handle for who this guy is. So when we do a message series, we want you to be able to put the topic into your hands. Maybe you don't want the violence of love. Maybe those very words are quite offensive to you. Hopefully we can unpack that and remove the offense. But we want to give you what we're looking at. And when you're in your times with God alone, I would encourage you to dig into this stuff yourself because this is what we're serving in the house. And if this is what we're serving, I would encourage you to eat it and look at different ways of serving it up. There's loads of ways that you can do bacon. Loads of ways you can do bread. You can have your eggs. Dear knows how many ways. But eat it, play with it, cook it, and get to know it. Okay. The other thing I wanted to say was, when we're doing a message series, it's obvious that we're in a process, isn't it? And I know that for some of you, you're sick of hearing that word process. If I hear the word process one more time. But we're all in a process. No matter where you are, 
no matter whether one part's finished and another part's about to begin, or you're just in the middle of it, we are all in a process. And our job is to discover the process that we're in and to partner with God in it. And I guarantee you and prophesy to you that you will be less frustrated and disappointed for sure when you do. So we come to life, we think it's going to look one way. Sometimes the best way is when you're like, this is going to be awful. I don't want to do it. I just want to stay at home and pull the duvet over myself and go, la, 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 la. And you get into it and you think, oh, actually, this was all right. And then there's the other times where you're so excited about it and you step into it and you go, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Anybody had that t-shirt? But no matter what, if we can partner with him, he knows exactly what's going on. Exactly what's going on. No matter what, all the time. Okay, shall we begin? Let's talk a little bit about the violence of love. Are you familiar with the phrase, the violence of love? Do you know scripturally anywhere where it talks about violence in the New Testament? Okay. Matthew eleven twelve. This is the key verse, and this is the verse that we're going to stare at, and we're hopefully going to pull apart. If you've ever seen Minority Report, I know that's a while ago now, but what they do is they bring up, it's actually better in Iron Man, they bring up this, uh, like an atom, and then he's able to expand it, and you're able to see the different parts of it. So what we want to do is, it's really exegesis, I suppose. You take a verse, and we're going to pull it apart, and we want to see what's actually present in it. Now, hopefully, we all come, and we're going to be honest about it, we come with our own assumptions. So you talk about violence, and it probably conjures up a whole host of images, thoughts, circumstances, maybe pain for some people, and maybe fear as to what that means. Well, we want to deconstruct this a little bit, because John 8, 32 says that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you. Okay, so if in any way I talk about the violence of love, and you're going, no, I what? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll listen to you. I'll maybe play a movie inside my head. I'll be here, but I'm not going to take it in. What we want to do is take down all of those defenses. Take down all the fears because perfect love drives out fear. And let's present you with the truth and the truth should set you free. It will set you free. So let me give you a definition of violence. I should ask you for your own. I say violence, you say? Bombs? Pain? What did you say? Wind? Stormy and windy. Violence of wind. Anybody else? Energy? Passion? Oh. What did you say, Aaron? Battle? Anybody else? Let me read the English dictionary definition. Violence is behavior involving physical force intended to hurt damage or kill someone or something. The unlawful exercise of physical force or intimidation by the exhibition of such force. And then finally, strength of of emotion or of a destructive natural force. Now, there's not a lot of pleasant, good, wholesome stuff within that. So let me assuage your fears. We're not talking about that kind of violence. We're not talking about love that actually isn't love that really is driven by fear that's manipulative, that forces and controls and does damage. We're talking about this kind of violence. This is as the Greek communicates it. 
And the word is biazo. And this particular one, there's two places where it's mentioned. So you've got, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of the heavens is taken by violence and the violence sees it by force. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of the heavens is taken by violence and the violent sees it or take it by force. So the Greek word in the first part is biazo which means properly to use power to forcibly seize, laying hold of something with positive aggressiveness, to advance forcefully, and it's only used twice in the New Testament, and it's both times used positively. The second one is about those who are violent, and you can describe it as a violent man, which is biastes, means a forceful, violent man or one who is eager in pursuit. It means positive assertiveness used, now this is gold, used of the believer living in faith, God's inworked persuasions. Remember pistis? Remember we were talking about uh, faithful? The word pistis means fully convinced by God and the, uh, the God's inwork persuasions guiding and empowering them to act forcefully, i.e. fired up by God to act by his revelation. And that particular one is only used once, and it's used in this verse. It's really important that we translate correctly, isn't it? Let me read you out two translations of that verse. Here's the first one. From the time John preached his message until this very day, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violent attacks and violent men try to seize it. What do you hear when I say that? From the time John preached his message until this very day, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violent attacks and violent men try to seize it. You've got to protect yourself. There's attacks all the time. You go after God, you're going to get hammered. Always be on your guard. Now, those things are true, aren't they? If you go to anywhere in the New Testament, you'll find that you want to go after God, you're going to get attacks. But he's one anyway, so don't worry. You've got to be on your guard. But when you read this, the first thing that comes to my mind from this translation is, what, what, what? Then let me read it in the, the Berean literal translation. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of the heavens is taken by violence and the violence sees it. The one is destruction and damage and difficulty and protect yourself and it's bad. The other translation is you want this kingdom, you're going to have to get some violence about you. Violence meaning he's told us that we have to plant this church and we're going to violently take it by force. The violence of love, not the violence of hate, the violence of love. The second is an invitation to to become someone who is violent. Positive assertiveness used of the believer living in faith, God's inward persuasions, guiding and empowering them to act forcefully, fired up by God to act by his revelation. We've got to rewire our minds to be able to apprehend what God is doing and wants us to do. Are you starting to get this? The only way that you're ever going to be able to take what it is that God has for you is you're going to have to let your mind be renewed. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And then it says you're going to be able to see and apprehend what it is that God wants you to do. So will you change your mind? Are you up for it? Have you been enjoying the old patterns? That's a stupid question. Who does? Sometimes it looks good for a wee while. And then after a while, you start to feel sick from them. You realize that it's not benefiting you in any shape or form. And you think, surely there's got to be a better way. And then whenever we see the grace of God for what it is, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We think, really? I tried that 2 Corinthians 10.5, holding every thought captive and leading it away in the obedience of Jesus Christ. I was really hard. So a couple of days ago when we were up the north coast, I turned the key on the ignition in the car. The car's been brilliant. And I went, oh, no, morning, and started. I thought, oh, no. This isn't my first rodeo. When you hear different sounds like this, you think, oh, no. And then took it to the garage. And when I took it to the garage, the thing started beautifully. And I thought, the car's been healed. It's actually been healed. And then we, uh, it started the next morning and went raw, 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 and started. And I thought, well, we can live with raw, 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 and starts. That's all right. And then yesterday, after we got home from being away, went into the, got into the car, full of faith, and I went. <laughs> I thought, no, laying on hands in the car. You will respond. <sighs> and then tried the uh, hot wire. That didn't work. I didn't want to talk about that. I wasn't good. It ended with my dad going, Colin, you did what? And uh, anyway, after that, dad remembered that he loved me and uh, he started to talk about what it actually could be and it got the breakdown guys out. I'm thankful that there's breakdown included with your insurance. Guy comes along, gets it running, uh, says it's your battery and you want to go, yeah, really, really? I know I don't know about cars, but that was pretty obvious. And then eventually figured out, need a new battery. So we go down and get a new battery. Thank you, Jesus, for quick fit. But the guy in QuickFit said to me, uh, do you know that actually it takes two-thirds of your battery power to get the engine started? I went, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He said, you've probably got a couple of dead cells. I love it when they start talking to you because they're like, you get one of these diddly-doos in this floodle dinger and you put the floodle dinger under there and you click this, so <laughs> there it is, bang on. And I normally go, listen, mate, I'm here because I don't know anything about what you just said. And he goes, all right, right. You tell that he's just popped me into a category in his mind. <laughs> one, one of those. And the price is just hiked by 15%. Thank you, Jesus, for set prices. But in, you don't realize how much energy it takes to get this stuff started. Whenever it comes to holding your thoughts captive or changing any of your behavior, the initial kick that you need is present. And you've got the grace that God gives you that is necessary to do it. But what we find is that the initial startup is more draining than you expected it to be. So let me tell you the truth. You want to do this stuff, it's going to suck the life out of you for a while. And you're going to feel like it's sucking every bit of your energy and you're never going to get there. You're going to get there. Now you choose whether you believe the faith that is present in what I've just communicated or not. If you're in the middle of this or at the start of it, or you've got the key in the ignition and you're like, I really need to make a change in my life. Be aware 
that when you turn the ignition, it's going to take a lot of effort to get this thing started. But once you get the engine running, it starts to... Look what I'm doing, eh? Sound like a mechanic. It has its own momentum. And what happens is that your experiences start to put faith back into the battery. And it just goes round and round and round and round. And the battery gets stronger and you can go faster. And you're not inhibited by the drag that you find when you initially start. So there's a lot of hope present in those words. If you're struggling with something, you can really do it. What will help you to really do it is to know that the truth in this statement will set you free. It's really tough going at the start. When you persevere, you'll get there and you'll have your own momentum. You might have some hiccups. You might stall. But the initial startup will have charged the battery significantly enough that it's not going to drain the battery completely to get you going again. Can you receive what I'm saying to you? You really can do this, but it's tough going at the start. So mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. And one of the translations makes a statement, the first translation I read makes a statement really that can invoke fear. And the other is an invitation to become someone who can lay hold of the kingdom of God. And the invitation comes from God. It's a bit like me saying to my children, Anna and Isaac, I've got some sweets in my pocket. Come and get it. They know that that's an invitation to wrestle me to the ground. I don't typically do that a lot because often it ends in tears. Uh, But if I did, come and get it. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to have a bit of fun. It's an invitation to play. You want to play? Are you tired of sitting on the sidelines watching everybody else score tries or skin their knees or have you seen somebody break their leg or did you see somebody really get hurt as they were playing for the kingdom of God? You don't need to be afraid. It's an invitation to play. And I'm saying to them, come on, come on and get these. They know that it's going to be a bit of fun. There might be a bit of tickling in it. Also, it's an invitation for them to use the strength that they have because I'm not going to give them the sweets. But if they wrestle me for a wee bit, they know that I've got the goods. And they know that it's going to be fun. And they know that they really want to eat what it is that I have. If they didn't know who I was, they might think, stranger danger. What's he going to do to me? Is this going to hurt me? Has he got something that's going to hurt me in my back pocket, in his back pocket? Your God is really, 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 really good. He really is. It says that he's only got good gifts. He doesn't have any hidden motivation. He's not got any shadowy parts of his character. He's full of light. He's described as the father of heavenly lights in whom there's no shadows, no shiftiness, no uh, turning. He doesn't change. He's always the same, okay? He's saying, you want this kingdom? Money get it. Some of you are waiting for the kingdom to land in your hands. And you're standing going, I believed him once and never did anything about it. Your faith has to get feet to it. Come on and get the sweets. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. No, you don't. Who of us does? You only have to be on the earth for, what, a couple of decades to figure out that life isn't handed. It's much like a box of chocolates. 
You don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to go, who's going to disappoint you, who's going to bring you joy, who's going to love you, what you're going to be able to do. That Have you found that you can actually do much more than that you thought you could? That your fears were inhibiting you? That you said no to so many things that you should have said yes to? That God's resources were present even though it wasn't in your bank account when you first started? Come on. You want the kingdom? Do you? You know, the, uh, was it the merchant that found the pearl and he hid it again and he went, I'm going to sell everything. You know the lost sheep? You know the prodigal son? Are you getting the picture? This kingdom is worth everything, everything that you have. While you're still thinking that it's maybe an addition to your life, You'll trade in a couple of things. You'll go through a couple of old rings that your granny maybe gave you. You can maybe get a wee bit for it, maybe a couple hundred quid or whatever. But until you recognize who this God actually is and what he has to offer you, you're not going to sell everything you have to be able to get it. So if you can hear the Spirit today, come on and get it. Do you think his invitation is a trap? Mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. Let me talk a little bit about marriage. Mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. For those of you who are married, mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. For those of you who have relationships with any other humans, mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. You know when you come to the point you're having a conversation with someone and you go, what? What did you just say? If offense is a slide, you're just heading down it by that stage. Far better to ask the questions that are, could you clarify that for me a little bit as you're about to put your feet to go up the slide of offense? Or the other question of, um, what you said there was hard to hear. Can you say it maybe in a different way so that I'm not going to get offended? You're doing really, really well at that point. The slide is just a part of the playground. Nobody's going to go down the slide of offense because we know that when anybody goes down the slide of offense, they go down head first and they get hurt. So last night, uh, I was going to bed and Claire walks in and she'll do one of these. You were talking about me again. She walked in, she went, did you put away some of the children's clothes? I said, and I instantly, because I'm a discerning man, went, this is a good thing. I went, yes, I did. She went, oh. And I said, are there any other clothes that you would like me to put away right now? <laughs> Not in that way. I actually didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. <laughs> We're married, so it's all good. But uh, she said to me, are you in the habit of putting away other clothes? I said, I do it from time to time. She was like, oh. I didn't realize that as I put away clothes, it means a whole other thing for Claire. She feels loved. She feels cared for. And she looked at me like I had come back from a battle. Now, there are battles that I come back from, and I walk into a house like this. I have arrived. And Claire's like, sit down and stop being an idiot. I put away some of Isaac's clothes, and Claire was like, you're the man. I'm not going to mistranslate that. I totally understand. This is a good thing. But yet there are other things that I can do that communicate a whole heap of things that I don't mean to communicate because mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. 
Claire was French, there's going to be misunderstanding. I would have to learn French or I'm going to mistranslate everything. And yet us men typically are idiots because we think, or if you're like me, let me speak for myself, I thought my wife was really like me. She's not. Not only is she a different personality type, in fact, the opposite end of the spectrum of my personality type, she's a woman. Mistranslation leads to misunderstanding. If I want to understand Claire, I need to understand Claire. For me to, as Andrew and Hillary weep, because they've helped us with this process, I'm not Claire. That's, that's an epiphany. So therefore, I don't look at Claire and go, you're going to act like me and process life like me because you're different to me. But yet, when it comes to the kingdom of God, and some of you men sitting there smugly, or women sitting there thinking, oh, Colin, you're such a novice at this. Fine, that's no problem. How are you doing with the kingdom of heaven? How many times have we said, God's ways aren't our ways from Isaiah 55. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. And yet we assume that he's like us. That if it's difficult, well, it's a sign. It's a sign that we shouldn't go there. And yet the whole Bible points out that you want to go after God and it's going to be difficulty central, but you're going to grow and develop and you're going to open a way up for other people to follow you that could never have been opened again. Or God says something and because we translate it one way, we think that that's what he means. When actually in Proverbs, I think it's 25, I have it written down here, but we're, oh, Proverbs 25 too, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and to search out a matter is the glory of kings. I had a dream one time, I think I've said it before, and in the dream I was able to talk to dead people. <laughs> it was horrible. I woke up going, get off me in Jesus' name. I, I even went over to Claire and I went, I had, a, I had a demonic dream last night. It was horrific. Dream was one of the pieces of gold that God threw in my direction. It's about being able to help people who aren't awake and alive to him yet to be able to understand who he is and to have opportunity to come to life. I kicked it to touch. The only reason that I spoke the dream out was we were doing dream interpretation and Andrew said, anybody got a dream? Everybody else stared. I said my dream and everybody went, ooh. He doesn't, he doesn't speak like you do. He doesn't do things the way you do. And he's calling you to, you want to come and play? And we thought that playing was just going, he's God and Jesus sorted it for me. When playing means that you get up, you get your uniform on, you exercise, and when it's time to play, you're there. Life is full of opportunities to translate and understand But to be able to understand what God is saying and doing, you must understand that he's different to you, but he designed you and understands you completely. You've got to humble yourself and you've got to change and let your mind be renewed. He will not do that for you. So again, if you're sitting here and you're waiting for God to change your mind, he's not going to do it. He'll give you opportunities to act differently and to choose differently and to rewire your own mind, but he's not going to do that one for you. You've got to also remember that any feeling of being crushed will serve you if you catch it. A soothing tongue, this is Proverbs 15.4, a soothing tongue speaking words that build up and encourage is a tree of life, 
but a perverse tongue speaking words that overwhelm and depress crushes the spirit. So if you've heard something from God or someone else has brought something to you or you've read something in scripture and it's overwhelmed you and depressed you, what does that mean you're dealing with? Oh, this is dangerous territory. Am I saying that God's words are incorrect? Not at all. But what did the devil use to try and tie up Jesus in the wilderness? He used the word of God. The enemy knows it far better than you do. And there are things that God will say that if you don't wait and translate it, you will take something negative from it that he never, ever, ever, ever meant. But there's always two trees in the garden. So there's always opportunity to take it the wrong way or to take time and to listen. Claire and I thankfully are learning to take time and to listen. And what that means is that I can hear the gold that God gives her, the perspective that she has on me to help me rather than, no, what did you say? As we go down the slide. Can you clarify that for me? Because what I heard was this. And I know you love me and you didn't mean that. Oh, you did mean that. No. So there's two enemies of translation, your soul and the devil. The enemy, demons, the whole shabbat. It doesn't matter which one you're dealing with. They're not out to love you. Your soul and your own understanding. Let me read this to you. Luke 24. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. I used to think that that word meant, in fact, I was told one time it meant forgetfulness. It actually doesn't. What it means is hot, meaning mental agitation. Doesn't that help? They were going on a journey towards mental agitation. They couldn't understand what was going on. They were on the journey to a mess, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and deliberated, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Does that seem a bit cruel? He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? You need to get to know this Jesus because he doesn't do things the way you think he does. They stood still with sadness on their face. What does that mean that they processed the uh, situation and circumstances that had happened? Well, they'd lost hope. One of them named Cleopas said to them, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in recent days? What things, he asked. The events involving Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. This man was a prophet, powerful in speech and action before God and all the people. They demoted him to a prophet by this stage. Our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and they crucified him. But we were hoping he was the one who would redeem Israel. We were hoping he was the one who would redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since these things had taken place. The soul cannot interpret nor translate what the spirit is doing. That's why we're told, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And the enemy wants to twist and distort reality so that you're deceived and standing in pride and unbelief. Because when you're in unbelief and in pride, can you connect? What does the verse say? God resists, but gives grace to the. So the enemy desires to move you to pride, which is, I see what's happening here. 
Humility goes, I think I see what's happening here, but God's really, really good, so we're going to move as far away from making my own assessment and discernment on these circumstances. But we all do it, don't we? If the enemy isolates us to a place of pride, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you've made assumption and assessment on your circumstance and you're overwhelmed and you're depressed, please reconsider your position. John 8, 44, he being the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there was no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he's a liar and he's the father of lies. So what are you mistranslating and therefore misunderstanding? And what are you letting your soul translate? Can I get you guys to come up? What are you letting your soul translate when the spirit is active and doing something? And where have you let the enemy translate the circumstances of your life and overwhelm and depress you? Are you ready to stand with me? Well, would you like to put action to your faith? See, what can happen is that we do this every week. You know how it goes. I could roll off my tongue and I've got some questions for your consideration to help you to respond. But are you responding? And I'm asking you to stand as a symbol of, you want to come and get some sweets? Do you want to come and get the kingdom? Those areas where you've tolerated things and you're reaping the fruit of it and other people can smell it off you. What do you want to do about it? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is taken by violence and the violence sees it. Positive assertiveness used of the believer living in faith, God's inward persuasions guiding and empowering them to act forcefully. Fired up by God to act by his revelation. So we've got to lay hold of this kingdom. We've got to catalambano the kingdom with violence, intense intention, fully persuaded by God that we can and we should. The violence of love. What do you think? What do you need to do? Where do you need to let yourself be fully persuaded so that you do something? Is it being more demonstrative in worship? Is it having a conversation with someone that you don't want to have? Is it selling that thing or giving that money away? Is it changing your job or starting the process of changing your job? Is it going back to school? Is it going on that date or not going on that date? What is it? So there's always some questions to help you to respond. Have you been afraid that if you follow God, it'll harm and hurt you? Have you been allowing your soul and the enemy to mistranslate, causing you to misunderstand the circumstances of your life? And then finally, would you like to let God correctly translate so that you can correctly understand the situations you're in and the circumstances of your life. If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you'd like simply to be ministered to, then please come and join me now at the front.
have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.